I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. What is up, all my fellow mourners of diet culture? It is I, Emily Lubin. I am the Grim Reaper and the host of this show. Welcome to RIP Diets, episode 14. If you guys want to write to me, slide into my DMs. I am Lubination on Instagram. That's L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. Just uh, slide in. Let me know. Tell me what's up. Ask me what's up. Let's start a conversation. I really want to get to know you guys. I want to get to know the community that listens to this podcast. It's really, really important to me. You can also join the private Facebook group if you search RIP Dieters on Facebook and request to be added, you're in, baby. Just keep it a safe space and uh, don't body shame anyone because that would be really not on brand with what we're trying to do here. Let's get into the episode today. So this is going to be another solo episode. I do not have a guest. I do not have a conversation. I got some shit to say. First of all, I spent a week at the Jersey Shore with my boyfriend. I We just got back last night, so I'm back. I'm kind of getting used to being back in the city after being on a beach for an entire week. It was so nice. Huh, so nice to not be obligated to see anybody or really do anything. Just go to the beach. And I was still working, of course, remotely. But gosh, you know... Having a job is a lot easier when you live at the beach. I've realized that and I've really internalized it for the future when I'm so rich and can afford a beach house and can go there whenever the fuck I want. Um, So I'm looking forward to that, you know, at some point in the next 30 or so years. But at the Jersey Shore, there was a lot of time to kill because it was just me and my boyfriend. And to keep it on theme... We spent most nights watching what else? The Jersey Shore. The Jersey Shore is an iconic TV show. I would be shocked if there's anybody listening to this show who has never seen an episode of The Jersey Shore or doesn't know what The Jersey Shore is. I just, I feel it needs no explanation. The Jersey Shore taglines are just incredible. Sammy's, I'm the sweetest bitch you'll ever meet. And Wow's. After I have sex with a guy, I will rip their heads off. I mean, just truly iconic. It's also When the World Met Snooki, which is uh, an American icon. I decided, actually, that if I were on the show, I would want my tagline to be, if there's a dick in this house, then I'm gonna suck it. I don't know why. I just thought that would be very memorable. And people would probably come up to me and say, hey, are you the I'm gonna suck it girl from Jersey Shore? And I would say, yes. Yes, I am. So I watched Jersey Shore when it first aired 10 or so years ago, and I thought it was the most entertaining show I'd ever seen. I still find it very entertaining, but sadly, I cannot watch the show anymore without the critical lens that I apply to most things. And, you know, I still think it's hilarious, but there are certain things in it that are extremely problematic, 
the way that the cast talks about body image and weight and beauty is so disheartening and sad. And the show was only made 10 years ago, I think. I don't think it was made longer ago. You know, about 10 years ago. And just the way that they talk about other people, the way that the men talk about women, it's so disheartening. Particularly the boys seem to really put so much stock in a girl's looks because they see women as nothing more than a prize to show off to their meathead friends. But the girls participate in it too. And I think it's because they've been brainwashed to think that they need to cater to the men, as many of us have in this patriarchal society. And, you know, they usually end up getting humiliated or hurt by the men they're interested in in some way. So, you know, there's there's a lot of that going on, and um, it's it's extremely upsetting. The term grenades. I was in the jacuzzi, and I finally put some water on my face. I was like, oh, we, like we got grenades, man. And I'm looking at Paulie like, do you know we're in, in mist of grenades right now? Do you know we're we're in the, we're at the zoo? I had never heard that term before seeing the Jersey Shore. Um, this is a word penned by Mike the Situation Sorrentino in season one of the Jersey Shore. I haven't exactly gotten down what it means to be a grenade in a technical sense or what you need to look like. To be a grenade, I think it's a pretty broad term to describe any girl that the situation thinks is ugly or not worthy of having awful drunken sex with him for one night in his twin-sized cot. I'm saying I don't know quite what it takes to qualify as a grenade because a lot of the girls that are called grenades on the show, I happen to think are quite attractive. And then The guys in the house will also sleep with some women who I think objectively are the same level of attractiveness as the so-called grenades. Um, But beauty is subjective, so whatever. I mean, it's a horrible word. And obviously the situation thought he was being super smart and clever coming up with this word. And I guess it did get integrated into um, our cultural lexicon at the time. I don't really hear anybody call anybody a grenade now, but at the time it did really catch on. So I guess I have to give him credit for that, even though it is a disgusting word. When Mike introduced us to the concept of the grenade it was just the first of a never-ending theme on the show which is treating women like farm animals at the county fair the way that the guys treat women is nothing short of repulsive he was like hypnotized one of the hyenas hypnotized him he didn't see the you know up close what was going on i find the show very amusing, like I said, but I'm still so grossed out every time they have sex with a girl and then kick her out of the house or just demean and ridicule girls that they've slept with or girls that they could potentially sleep with. The Jersey Shore guys, the situation most of all, but all of the Jersey Shore guys clearly think of women as objects that exist for them to use any way they see fit. Then there's another episode, and by the way, this is all season one that I'm talking about, which I think is kind of the most offensive. There's offensive shit in every season, but season one, I feel like 
none of them knew how popular this show was going to be. So they were really, truly uncensored um, and, you know, said things without a huge concern for how it would come off on TV. So in season one, the situation uh, has alienated a lot of people in the house and is generally a giant douche to everyone. So they all sit down to family dinner and Snooky is giving him attitude and Mike calls her fat in front of all the roommates. Just shut the fuck up because no one likes you in the house. Really? Oh, oh my God. Snicks is getting hard right now. You're getting serious right now. Don't fuck with me. You pissed me off all day. What'd you say? Can I have a roll, please? Don't worry, you got a couple. That was fucked up. Honestly, what you just said, you deserve to get punched in the face. Okay, horrifying. Then they show Snooki in her confessional, nearly in tears, describing having disordered eating when she was younger and getting down to a really low weight because she thought she was too fat. You don't understand, like in high school, I never eat at all. That's a fucking sensitive subject. And honestly, even if someone has never dealt with disordered eating, this is such a low blow and a horribly degrading thing to say to someone, especially a woman. We've talked in past episodes about the word fat and the insinuation of fatness, and it's not universally recognized anymore as an insult. Some people use the word fat to describe their own body. Some people have taken back the word and and have adopted it as a descriptor instead of a negative term. But this is a very clear example, in my opinion, of how it's clearly being used in a degrading way, especially in the context of how the men treat women and label women as currency based on their looks. Another example that I found um, is when Snooki fights the so-called grenades that Mike brings back to the house. And this to me is interesting because the girls participate in body shaming on this show, sometimes just as much as the guys. And then this one girl starts like charging me like a hippo. I think it's because in this subculture of people of Italian descent who grew up in New Jersey and might refer to themselves as guidos or guidettes, don't come for me. I am not using that word. I am quoting the words that they have used. The men are supposed to have a lot of machismo and be super ripped. And most of the girls refer to their type, like their ideal type, as juice heads, implying they take steroids, which you can tell some of them definitely do. And it seems that the men exist mainly to protect the women, even though they're using them constantly. Um, And the women exist to look hot for the men. So they all buy into this narrative on the show. And the girls will also body shame other girls. And they use the word grenade to call a girl out for being unattractive. In season one, Snooki gets into a fight with some girls that the situation brings back to the house after a night at the club. And then she calls these girls hippos and keeps saying that she doesn't know why he brought them back and is just getting in their faces. And they are being obnoxious to her. 
But she immediately goes for their looks, immediately insults the way they look, their weight, their body types. And then when they finally leave, Mike calls the girls linebackers. And uh, he also says they probably just smelled the food in the house. I would definitely say that I felt bad about Snickers getting hit by a couple linebackers. I necessarily didn't want to bring home any sort of zoo creatures whatsoever. I mean, these broads just probably smelled the food at the house. Don't bring home any elephants like that ever again. And what struck me over and over while watching this is that the situation perceives himself as a god among men and he thinks he deserves the hottest girl to kiss his feet and suck him off and leave promptly afterwards. But he is so average looking and it reflects the double standard that exists in society which is if you're an average looking guy you still think you deserve the best looking girl and girls aren't really allowed to do the same thing I've heard so many women be referred to as too picky when it comes to dating and relationships usually by other women will say oh you know she's she's been single for so long because she's just too picky she's just too picky when it comes to men But honestly, I think a lot of us aren't picky enough. I see so many average guys with stunning women. And you know who's not helping, by the way? Ariana Grande. This bitch looks like a human Barbie doll. She is so stunning. And she goes for extremely average, bordering on bad-looking men. And... She's lowering the stock market for all of us because guys see Pete Davidson or Mac Miller, RIP. I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but he, you know, Ariana was just way prettier than him. And that is just a fact. Um, They see these guys going out with Ariana Grande and they think, oh, okay, so I could probably get someone like that, too. I have a good personality. My mom thinks I'm handsome. So men continue to roll out of bed in the morning, no shower, no deodorant, not even a face washing, not even a little rinse with Cetaphil to get the sleep out of their eyes. Nothing. And they still think they could pull an Ariana Grande. Meanwhile, some girls aren't even leaving their house without a fully beat face looking snatched to the gods. And they are still so insecure and worried about impressing men. It's such bullshit and it's something that I am so livid about. Stop dating down. And by the way, We all know looks are not everything, and I hope no one misunderstands what I'm saying here. I think if you've got a great guy with a good heart and an ambitious mind who treats you right, what they look like obviously comes last on the list of important qualities. But at the same time, don't be so concerned about impressing guys or looking your best at all times to attract a man. You know why? Because... While we're spending an hour plus doing our morning routine, they're laying in bed DMing girls who are so out of their fucking league, it's crazy. Shooting their shot because men have an intrinsic confidence that we don't have because we were taught not to have it and that's why they rule the world and we don't. So we need to revolt against this entire system. It's fine if you want to, you know, 
go out looking snatched for you, whatever, but don't do it for the men because the men are not doing it for us because they know they don't need to. Confidence is key. Everything comes down to confidence at the end of the day. I truly believe that. Last thoughts on the Jersey Shore. I have to say I'm so happy that I can watch this show and other shows and not be triggered at all by some of the ridiculous shit the cast members say. I surprise myself a lot during my brief stay at the shore. First of all, there was a full-length mirror in the room I was sleeping in, and each morning I would wake up and see myself. And I believe I've said on the show that I've struggled a lot in the past with negative self-talk. And the first thing I used to do when I woke up in the morning would be grab my stomach to see if it felt flatter or less flat than the day before. And then I would get up and observe it in the mirror and just pick myself apart from head to toe. And I didn't even realize I was doing it. It was so ingrained in my thoughts. But ever since going through recovery and being more thoughtful about the way I talk to myself and trying to replace negative self-talk with positive self-talk very intentionally... It's slowly gotten to a point where I don't do any of that. And I was just noticing on my last day at the shore, I woke up, I got out of bed, and I found myself standing smack dab in front of this full-length mirror in just my underwear. And I thought, wow, I have a beautiful body. I thought that to myself without even trying. And if that's not proof that positive affirmations work, I don't know what is. Say some nice shit to yourself, even if you don't quite mean it. It really switches gears in your brain. It changes your mode of thinking. And one day, it'll just be innate. You will just wake up and see yourself in the mirror and appreciate things about yourself that you never thought you would. And obviously, this goes hand in hand with doing the work to become an intuitive eater and to become body neutral and weight neutral, really educating yourself about it and obviously listening to this podcast every fucking week. But, you know, saying nice shit to yourself, eventually you do it without thinking and it's such a cool place to be. It truly is. I, I'm just, I'm so amazed with myself and this is like, just a little appreciation for myself right now and how far I, I truly have come. And I just, I want to spread that to other people and I want other people to be able to truly feel good about themselves and not think that they need to change their bodies or change a damn thing about themselves. And now I'm going to read an advice question that I received in my DMs. And I did respond to this person, but... I wanted to share it on the show for anybody who might be going through something similar. Okay, this is the advice question. I will keep her anonymous. She says, I have a close friend who has been struggling with an eating disorder for a long time. But for her, it's something she doesn't recognize as a sickness. Rather, it's something she's very proud of. When I lost weight during my depression, she encouraged me and focused on how amazing I looked when I felt my worst. Anyway, the point is my friend group and I are lost on what to do. I want her to know I think she needs help and I am worried. Any advice would be so appreciated. 
thank you so much for this question. I know that it's so incredibly hard when you see a friend going through something and you want so badly to help them. But the fact is, if she really is this deep in her disorder and she hasn't chosen recovery yet because you're saying, you know, she's proud of her disorder. She doesn't recognize it as a sickness. You cannot help someone until they want to help themselves. And I know that you probably want to so badly, but I will say from my personal experience, when I was in my eating disorder, there was nothing that anyone could say to me that would make me think there was another option. And it's really depressing to say out loud, but I would have, I've said before, I would have chosen death over recovery. There was a certain point in my life when I would have chosen death over choosing recovery because I was too scared about what would happen to me and what my life would look like on the other side. Um, There is an element of an eating disorder when you're in it it plays all kinds of tricks on you it really manipulates you and at a certain point and I've talked about this with other women who have had eating disorders and they've all known exactly what I was talking about it's like who the fuck am I without my disorder like my disorder is the one thing that I trust, the one thing that I can rely on in my life. It's the one thing keeping me sane, quote sane, because really it's driving you insane. But that false sense of security and control makes you feel like, okay, this is this is the track I'm on. And this is my whole life. This is how I manage my thoughts. This is how I manage my emotions it's my coping mechanism. It's my strength. It's my best friend. It's everything. So until you hit rock bottom in a sense and decide for yourself to choose recovery, nothing that anybody else says can make you force you to make that choice without you having already made the choice. So I will say that that's not to say that you can't be there for her if she comes to you and wants to talk about problems she's having, whether it be about her eating disorder or not, because as we know, the eating disorder is just a cover-up for other issues that she's dealing with. I would encourage you to be there for her as much as you can, as long as it's not triggering for you. Be there for her when she needs advice or when she needs to talk about anything going on in her life. And certainly if she comes to you and says, I think I have a problem, I think food is controlling my life and I I need to find a way to recover, then, you know, by all means, you can provide her with resources, say, I'll help you find a therapist that's right for you, help her in any way that you think is appropriate to help a friend who's going through a crisis because this is a crisis. But if she does not want help, You trying to force help on her is just going to push her away because the eating disorder is safe and anything that goes against the eating disorder is unsafe. So you don't want to be unsafe. You want to show her that you're going to be there for her and that you love her and you want to help her. So I honestly, I know that it, it seems kind of counterintuitive, but I would just steer clear of the entire problem until she specifically comes to you and asks for help or advice. I'm going to share another anecdote. When I was 
I believe 22, 23, I worked in an office and um, I actually, I talked about this a little bit with Jesse Jollis on the last episode, but I was so bulimic to the point that I was throwing up multiple times during the day. I was throwing up pretty much everything I ate and also doing some pretty heavy restriction. So my head was in the clouds all the time. I was tired. I was sluggish. I was just zero energy, but I was stuck in this cycle and there was really nothing I could do about it. And two of my best friends found out what was happening. Um, I think I had confided in one of them and the other one, you know, they had talked about it amongst themselves, as I'm sure you're doing with your friends, which is not, I don't fault them for doing that at all. And they didn't know what to do. They wanted to help me. They didn't know what to do. So they called my sister on the phone. They told her, we know that Emily has this problem. We don't know how to help her. So you need to do something, essentially. Um, And then my sister came to me, told me what had happened, and I basically downplayed the whole situation. I told her, yes, you know, I I had a, a stint with it, but I'm done now. I'm really trying to get better. I straight up lied to her. My disorder was so important to me that I saw this as a betrayal at the time. And I just, I, I was so angry with them. And I kind of alienated them and wouldn't tell them about my disorder from there on out because I, I felt like they didn't have my best interest at heart. When really, truly, I know now that they had nothing but the best intentions doing this and they always had my best interest in heart and they just wanted to help me. They just wanted me to be healthy. But I wasn't at a point when I was ready to accept help. So again, speaking as somebody who's been on both sides of it, who's seen friends go through similar things that I've gone through and who has been at really low points in my disorder and not willing to accept help from anyone, I would say the right thing to do is to to let her figure it out on her own. I would also say if it's something that she's been struggling with for a long time, the rate of recovery is um, is not always in their favor. And what that means is, you know, if somebody has been anorexic from the time they were 12, let's say, by the time they're in their 20s and have graduated college and have still have this disorder and are in the workforce and still have this disorder and um, has been hiding it for so long, it's not something that anybody is equipped to handle who's not a professional. So until she seeks out the help of a professional, there's just nothing you can do. I feel like I've said the same thing just in different wording (laughs) so many times, but it really is. As a friend, you want so badly to help your friend, but mental health is just not that simple. And definitely you can be a positive role model for her. You can do your absolute best to make sure that you are breaking free from diet culture and you are not exhibiting any problematic behavior around food because that actually was helpful for me, having people in my life who had healthy attitudes toward food and healthy relationship to their bodies. That modeled for me what my life could look like. And then when I hit rock bottom, I knew that there was a way out 
or I hoped that there was a way out deep in my heart and I knew that there would be people there to support me who saw the world the way that I wanted to see the world and saw me the way that I wanted to see myself. So continue to model positive behavior and um, just be there for her. When she's ready to come to you, she will come to you. And that's the show today, guys. This was a short one. Um, I decided to do it solo because I I want to occasionally do solo episodes that are short and digestible to just talk about a certain topic, answer an advice question. And next week we will be back with a guest. It'll be, you know, more of the typical format. Please continue to slide into my DMs. I'm Lubination, L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N on Instagram. Write me an email, ripdiets at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group. Be a part of the conversation. And also, spread the fucking word. Tell your friends about this podcast. Share it on Instagram. Make it your Instagram story. Write an iTunes review, please. It truly does help out the show. And, um... Just keep being your badass selves and uh, reject diet culture because it's a fucking trap. And enough said. Peace out. Get crazy, get wild. Let's party, get loud. If you want to have fun, to do something. If you want to have fun, to do something. Get crazy, get wild. Let's party, get loud. If you want to have fun, to do something. If you want to have fun, to do something. Walk in the club with no ID. Girls on my jockers and VIP. Your man can't do what I can do. What's your name? I'm Scott Blue. Well, I'm Red Food with the big ass fro. Never wear lenses on my glasses, yo. My first keyboard was a Casio. Ooh, look at that girl on the dancing floor. What's she looking at us like she wanted to do? Some piggy in the back with a camera crew. I guess I got time for a family too. I roll with three hoes like I'm Santa Ooh, ho, 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 and a bottle of goose. Mix it with the bull if you want to get loose. It's that time to lose control. If you're feeling real good, then let's show. Get crazy, get wild, yeah. let's party, get loud. Sucking out titties. Now that I'm over, still sucking out titties. Give me titties. But titties nonetheless. Oh. First thing I do when a girl undressed. Crazy girl, spark my interest. So titties with sock, I invest in breasts. Yeah. Love the way you move, I'm impressed. All the girls love us. You the best, I guess. Hey, I got the goose, alright, okay. I'm feeling loose, alright, okay. She love the bees, alright, okay. He love them bees, alright, okay. I got the goose, alright, okay. I'm feeling loose, alright, okay. She love the bees, alright, okay. We love them bees.